Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Taking the show back out to the West Coast once again, we are joined by Ramya Ramaswamy who has the host of a show called Raising Rare. And yes, this is another show that deals with rare genetic disorders. And we're going to be talking all about her son and her fight and her mission to help her son out. And we are so honored to have her here today. She actually came to us as a reference from one of our previous guests, Effie Parks. Delighted to hear the story and to find out more. Ramya, thank you so much for joining us here on CausePods today. Of course. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It is my pleasure. So all this starts because your son is diagnosed with an ultra-rare genetic disorder. Tell us what that is, what it means, and what it was like as a mother to learn all that information when you were just becoming a mom. Yeah. So Raga was born in August 2018. As soon as he was born, he is my first child. So as soon as he was born, just like any other parent, we were happy and hoping to get back home in a couple of days. But then we realized that something was wrong with him in the sense that he wouldn't feed. He didn't move his hands and legs like you know, newborns do. So we knew something was going wrong. So the doctors took him to the NICU he was there. He was tube fed. So we spent about 20 days in the hospital, in Seattle Children's Hospital, to figure out the answer, you know, what was going on. So they did a bunch of tests, including an MRI and, you know, x-rays and whatnot. And then they figured out that his MRI came back normal, but Raghav had some skeletal abnormalities. So we know that something was wrong with him, but we didn't quite know what it was. So we came back home. A year went by, which was a huge struggle. As a new mom, I was just hoping for things to get better because we didn't have a diagnosis. We thought everything was okay. He's just a delayed kid. He's going to be okay. That's what was going on. But then on his first birthday, we got a call from uh, Seattle Children's saying that my son had this really rare genetic disorder in a gene called GPX4. It was so rare that he was the only kid in the world with that genetic disorder. Uh, so that's what we were told. And you can imagine it was devastating because including the doctors, no one knew what the disorder was and what the lifespan of my kid is going to be or anything like that. So I was just left clueless after the diagnosis. So can I ask, when was all this happening? Like, when did you get this diagnosis and what's been the situation since then? Raghav's diagnosis came exactly on year after his birth. On his first birthdays, when we got his diagnosis, we knew what was wrong and what was causing all these problems. So yeah, just about a year, we did not have an idea. And then we were told about this genetic disorder. Since then, my husband and I 
we've been trying to find more answers. You know, what does this disorder mean? What does it do to this kid? And we went ahead, told our story to the world, and we now know of a few more kids, about nine kids in this world who have this condition. We're literally figuring out answers along with clinicians and researchers to understand this condition better, find a gene therapy or find a medicine that could help him. So even to this day, you still sort of feel in the dark about what's happening? Oh, absolutely. No one has the answers. And the analogy that I usually give is, or, you know, an example is usually when we get a backache or a headache, you go to the doctor and he or she has three or four options, right? It could be because of this or this or this. And they usually try and figure out the cost. And there is a medicine, there is a prescription medicine that you can get off the store to hopefully find find a cure for it or find a treatment for it. In this case, the clinicians do not know. The researchers do not know. There is no medicine off the shelf. So there's literally, there's no treatment available today. So we're just funding everything. We are figuring it out along with researchers, motivating them to work on this condition to find a treatment. So how is Raghav right now? What's he like? What are his spirits like? How is he doing just as a, I mean, as a little baby? How is he holding up? Yeah, Raghav is going to be... 22 months now. He's going to turn two very soon. So the way I like to describe Raghav is he's a happy, cheerful boy who has this really beautiful smile. He can smile at anything and everything. You know, if it's a silly face that I make, be it a toy, or even a visit during to an emergency room, he can always smile. So that's his superpower. That's how I like to describe him. But he has his challenges. He's physically lagging way behind. As I said, he's going to be two years old but his physical abilities are of a three-month-old. He cannot hold his head up yet. He can't sit up or walk. So he's physically, he's got a lot of challenges. And medically, we know that he has neurological problems and skeletal problems. So yeah, he's cognitively a sharp kid, a very happy kid. But physically, we still need to help him out. We need to find a treatment so he can have a good quality of life. And what's it been like finding out that there were other kids in the world with this diagnosis? Have you been able to interact with them, talk with them? Are their children older? What have you learned from their experiences? I still remember the first time I learned that there was another kid in Europe. I literally jumped out of the chair. I was like, he's not the only kid. There's some other kid. We were hoping there was answers there. So we called up this mom in Europe. I think she was from Netherlands. I'm not quite sure. But his name was Avian and he was much younger than Raghav. It was the first time their diagnosis came along and they just looked up online and they came across our blog post and they reached out to us. So they did not have a lot of answers as well. And unfortunately for us, that kid is no more. This condition is really, really, it's fatal. And it's a spectrum. Kids get affected in variety of severity in this. And that kid unfortunately passed away a few months back. And again, that was a devastating reality that comes in, right? You know, your kid has the same situation and you see another kid not doing as well. That's a very hard thing to explain. No, I can't even, it's unimaginable to think yeah. that that happens. It's oof. We do know a few other kids, siblings in the U.S., and we know of one kid from India. To answer your question, the siblings in U.S., they are older than Raga. They are significantly older. I think eldest boy is 11 years old or something. So we know that there are kids out there who are able to get past that and survive. 
but their quality of life is still really bad, which is what we want to change, intervene, and find a treatment before it's too late. So that takes us to your work and this podcast. So first off, why did you want to put in that effort and put in that time and put in all that energy to do this podcast when you've got so much on your plate in the first place? It was liberating for me. It felt amazing to share my story with people. As soon as a diagnosis came along, we did not share it with anyone, not even our immediate family. We were keeping it really quiet, but it did not do any help. In order to find a treatment for Raghav and any other ultra-rare disease, we needed to get the word out. We needed our story to reach more researchers, clinicians, and even other kids out there. That's how they find us through our podcast and website and all that. So it was very important to get our story out to find a treatment for Raghav. And as soon as we started doing it, we realized that it was not just to find a treatment for Raghav. It's just that the whole industry of finding a treatment for ultra rare genetic disorders is just not going anywhere. People are not focusing on it. Pharmaceutical industries are not pouring money into it. It needs a lot of awareness and advocacy to make all these big pharmaceutical companies turn their heads towards these ultra-rare diseases. I have to ask because I saw that you did an episode specifically on this, but you know when this airs, it'll be a few weeks ago. But right now, with the whole world focusing on a global pandemic, what has that meant for the efforts that have been put forward? Like the rest of the world, our efforts to find a cure has also come to a halt. Research labs that was working on Raghav's problem have been now repurposed to work on COVID. And then we had an experimental drug that was waiting for approval from FDA. That has come to a grinding halt as as well. So COVID has really affected our research progress. But my hope out of this is the whole world is affected now. And there's so many research labs and money pouring in to find a treatment for that. So my hope is that people understand and act with the same sense of urgency for rare diseases too. When all this is over, people understand that this is important. There is a life involved in here as well. And hopefully there's more attention and more urgency around finding a treatment for these diseases. That's my hope. And that's the story that I'm telling to people. Well, so I have to ask, how do you get people that aren't directly involved with rare diseases to take notice, to take interest, to donate, to get involved? We're so busy with so many things. We all have our own concerns and responsibilities. How do you get folks to stop and listen if they're not already looking for rare disease content? That's a very, very hard problem that we're still figuring it out. For example, when we reach out to researchers, we talk about our story. We tell about these nine kids who are there in the world and what it does to them. And fortunately for us, the gene GPX4 is well-researched in academia. We have a lot of research papers on that. So we reference that and say, here is an opportunity. If you develop a treatment, here are these nine kids who are going to be benefited. Uh, So that's how we pitch our story. And we usually go to researchers who are interested in GPX4, who already have some research going on and try and squeeze in our research studies in there as well. So that's how we got started. But now we are fortunate to have a really, really strong team of researchers and clinicians who are focused on finding a treatment for our kid. And so you got to that team of researchers through a very interesting 
trail. Tell me a little bit about the connections you've made, the partnerships you've had, and how all of this is really coming together. That's been done over one year. I'd say it didn't happen overnight. And the majority of that was led by my husband. I shouldn't take credit for it. <laughs> so we started, the first thing we did was we went to uh, conferences, which is Global Genes and NORT. These are all big conferences that uh, are for rare genetic diseases. That's where we made lot of connections with people. We found researchers, we found gene therapy consultants, clinicians, and we also found another company called Retrotope, whose drug is what we are going to use on Raghav as an experimental drug. So we essentially got our whole network from that conference. And then we started reaching out to them, having one-on-one conversations with them, And then it very slowly evolved. And then we made sure we had partners from all different sites, few from academia, few clinicians, few pharmaceutical people, and then few FDA consultants or ex-FDA people who know what they're dealing with. So we made sure our team had a good mix of all these people who could advise us on the right thing to do. Evolved over a year, still figuring it out. Gotcha. And before we get on the call, you were telling me that this podcast and a lot of what you're doing is all now in conjunction with a group called Salem Oaks. Tell me about who you connected with over there and exactly what Salem Oaks is doing to assist you with the podcast and with the just the campaign for awareness and to organize all these different resources that you now have access to. So Salem Oaks, we met them through the Global Genes Conference as well. My husband, Sanat, met with Kevin Fryard, who leads Salem Oaks. He has about 30 years of experience with Pfizer. He comes with a wealth of knowledge about rare disorders and drug discovery and all that. So when we met with him and shared our story, he said that he was going to be doing podcasts to spread awareness and about patient-led advocacy, patient-led drug discovery and other things. So he felt that our story was a good fit to the goal and the mission that they had for Salem Oaks. So we started doing a podcast with them called The Rising Rare. So we meet up with Kevin every couple of weeks to share our story. He's great in storytelling. Kevin comes up with these really amazing script and helps us share our story to the world. And through that, we've had so many friends donate to us. So many friends learn about our story and reach out to us. So it's been really empowering and it's given us just an overall uplift in the struggle that we are having with finding a treatment. Excellent. So you were telling me they produce this podcast that you get to, I mean, you're like hosting, but you're sort of like co-hosting it with them. And that's made it a lot easier. Right. They take care of coming up with a script and post-production and then getting it out on different podcast platforms. So all of that is handled by Salem Oaks, Kevin and his team. And he does few other podcasts too, not just Rising Rare. I know there is another podcast called Improbable Developments. They do a bunch of podcasts and all of that is focused on patients and caregivers and their journey to find treatments for their loved ones or a foundation that they run. Excellent. So since you don't have a lot of the technical challenges of launching a podcast, which many of us have had to face and, and so many call spotters have to do with on their own, it's great that you have this resource to help you out and help you tell your story and that they seem to be effective, which is fantastic. So I guess now my question is, personally, what has been the challenge to open up and tell your story? I think a lot of people underestimate how difficult it is that once that mic goes on to be 
be able to just talk. Right. It's an art. I keep saying that it's not easy to make someone sit for 30 minutes and listen to you talk. It's really hard. There needs to be a compelling story and a great host who can guide you through sharing that story. It definitely is not easy. And I know that Kevin and team are working really hard before the recording and post-producing it to make sure there is a quality output that we can share with our listeners out there. And my hope is to also use this podcast for fundraising, taking it to other nonprofits to share our story and build credibility around it. So it's hard work. And I'm really, really thankful that Salem Oaks is doing it for us. That's fantastic. So speaking of charities and donations, you had told us the fundraiser that you were looking to draw attention to is called Care and Share. And so of course, we will have a link, but very, very specifically with this episode, Care and Share is the parent organization. And what they have done is they've set up this project. They've set up this campaign. Specifically, it is the Cure Regov donation page. We're going to have a link right to it. But the money that is here is going directly to helping Ramya and her family fund the researchers, fund the work that needs to be done in order to cure Regov. So just tell us a little bit about what is going on with the campaign itself with these donations and what you would want anybody to know who's thinking about making a donation. So the cost of finding a treatment for Raghav and other kids affected with this disorder is huge. But huge, I mean, it's three to four million dollars. And none of the patient families here have that kind of money. Otherwise, we'd be going after a treatment tomorrow. So we are fundraising, going to the community for help asking other friends and families to pitch in, other people who believe in our journey to find a cure. So we're asking for all these people to pitch in and support our efforts to find a cure for Raghav. As soon as we started on this journey, we realized that we shouldn't be doing this just for Raghav. So our mission is to come up with a framework that will help finding treatments for these rare disorders be easy. It shouldn't be this hard just because there are few people in the world. So if you're going to be donating for this cause, you will be donating for a mission to find faster treatments for ultra-rare genetic disorders. And as Matthew mentioned, our website is curegpx4.org. And it's set up to have a donation link where you can directly donate, find if your employer matches donations and all that. Folks, it is a 501c3. It is totally legit. All of your donations are tax deductible. So yes, we will have a link once again here in the show notes. You'll be able to easily find it, but it's curegpx, the number four, dot org. I encourage you to not only learn and read about this disease and what it takes to cure rare diseases, but I really implore you also to go to Ramya's website, RaisingRare.fm, right there on the front of the page is a picture of Raghav and what I assume is your husband in the glasses wearing the matching shirt with your son. And as she stated before, you will see a child with a beautiful smile and a warm personality who needs your help and who could just use a little bit more love to get him there. Ramya, thank you so much for opening up and sharing your story and telling us about your journey and everything that you're doing. And we are here hoping for the very best for you. So thank you so much. 
Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to patiently listen to me and help me share my story to the world. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.